Welcome to the Parker Road Talk Back Podcast for July 29th, 2020. Today's podcast is a conversation with Russ Dean and Amy Jackstein, co-pastors at Park Road Baptist Church. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road. A quick reminder, if you've not heard the sermons yet, you can find it at Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, under the Resources tab. Hello, Amy. Hello, Russ. How are you all today? Hello. Doing well, Bruce. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. So we missed last week, so we're going to do a two-for-one this week. We're going to talk to both Amy and Russ, so this podcast will be twice as good as we normally have. <laughs> or twice uh, as boring. <laughs> no, not at all. We, um, we were talking before we came on the air uh, about a difference in styles, and it was just very dramatic these past two weeks. Um, uh, one week we had uh, Amy talking about her experience with Waffle House, and uh, relating that to her spirit, spiritual experience. And then the next week, we have um, Russ talking to us about the Greek root for kryptonite, uh, which I think kind of encapsulates the, um, the two different styles that you have. So I, I thought we'd start off this week talking about the fact that there are two very distinct styles in the pulpit at Park Road and, and what you think that brings to the church and, and how that works and if there are any challenges. So I'm going to start with you, Amy, let you take the first shot at that. Well, there are two distinct styles. <laughs> There's absolutely no doubt about that. Somebody said, of, uh, I think it was in our midweek meetup uh, with Jim Somerville uh, that we uh, did, it was just last night, he was saying he had gone back and listened to, um, oh, no, I'm sorry, we recorded this week a, a Bible study for his church that will play next week, I think. Uh, so we, he was saying he had gone and gone back to our newsletter and read through blogs and uh, for both of us and listened to a couple of sermons. And he said that he felt like my uh, style was storytelling. And... I think he's exactly right. And I, my dad was a great storyteller. And he could tell the story, same story we'd all heard a thousand times. I could tell the stories he had told uh, a thousand times. And he was just kind of the, uh, everybody would gather around and listen to him talk. So I feel like I learned a little bit of storytelling from him. I even several years ago looked up some different storytelling festivals and conferences to see about adding that to my repertoire of um, preaching and preaching styles and preaching skills to try to hone that to see if maybe I could uh, improve my storytelling a little bit by some uh, with some effort but I, I think that is my way whether it's my story or I'm telling somebody else's story and then looking at the biblical story and trying to turn that telling of a biblical story into a, a story that makes sense for the day. And so I spend way more time with that than I do looking back at the Greek or the Hebrew or looking back through uh, commentaries to get the exact context and history of what has happened in a scene. I'm, I'm more inclined to try to relate it to something uh, today, Russ always gets there. By the end of his sermon, it's very relatable to the day. We just have two different approaches to how to get there. I think he's more willing to take you through the history and uh, nuance of the text and 
theological perspective of that, I'm probably more quick and inclined to find a story to tell. So, Russ, when you you do bring in the history and the the Hebrew and Greek roots and that sort of thing, what what is it about that that particularly appeals to you, and and how do you think that informs the way you prepare sermons? Um, I don't know how to say what it is about that that appeals to me. I mean, I just think I think different people um, have different interests. And I've always had an interest in words. Um, I've always had an interest in history. The best course I ever had in college, I always say was Western Civ. Um, and it kind of changed my understanding of the world. And, um, so I don't know, I'm drawn to, um, to sort of intellectual ideas. I always say I am not an intellectual um, I don't have a PhD. Um, I, I, I really, I really am not an intellectual. I'm not a bookworm, um, but I am interested in um, ideas of the head. I think, and so um, being able to take scripture and to try to um, to try to understand it, and and for me, often that comes comes by way of being able to place that story um, in Amy's um, Amy's sermon from the Waffle House. You know, she asked me to kind of help set this story up and kind of place on a timeline um, the Babylonian exile. And so, you know, I said, okay, let's run through the history of the Jewish people. You know, we start with Abraham and Moses and David. And um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just fascinated in trying to kind of put the big picture together and help people to see, all right, here's the Babylonian exile. It was 600 years before Jesus and the people were in another place. And I, I, I just don't think you really can understand the scripture if you don't really have an understanding of that setting. Um, and so, whatever it is that those kinds of things have appealed to me, those are the things that um, that kind of jump out at me. And so, I, I want to to try to make use of interesting words or phrases and interesting uh, tidbits from the culture and from the historical setting. Um, those have just those have always uh, appealed to me in, in in trying to understand scripture and then uh, try to make that relatable. Well, from the perspective of someone sitting in the pews or, or these days sitting in front of a computer watching Facebook Live, it, it is very, I think, interesting to get the kind of the deep dive into historical context uh, on one hand, and then the, on the other hand, a very relatable kind of in the, in the moment, current world um, interpretation of scripture uh, from the two of you, and you both, you can go back and forth. I, you know, I don't think it's fair to pigeonhole either one of you as one or the other. Right. But I do think um, there there are two very distinct styles, and 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 I think that's a real benefit to the church. It does lead me to this question, though: um, Do either of you ever feel intimidated by the other one's style? I'm going to start with you, Russ. Uh, do you ever feel like? Well, there she goes. She's telling another great story, and people are eating it up. <laughs> or do you do you um, appreciate it as much as the rest of us? Yeah, I, um, I'm not intimidated by that. In in some ways, I wish I could do that. In in some ways, I wish I had more of Amy's style. Um, and I think I have all I have always said on a given Sunday. I think Amy 
speaks to more people than I do. I think her style is relatable. And, you know, out of 100 people, you know, if you walk out on a Sunday that Amy preaches or you walk out on a Sunday that Russ preaches, how many of them are going to say, man, I really, I really connected with that? More people are going to connect with Amy's sermons than mine. And um, I, I think I could be intimidated by that. I could be uh, jealous of that or something like that. Um, um, what I think is that there are people who appreciate what I offer, and even though it's a smaller group of people, because Amy and I share the pulpit, I think my people know, um, well, I'll listen to Amy's stories because next week I'm going to get something a little, you know, meatier or deeper or, you know, more heady or whatever, however they would say that. Um, and uh, on the other hand, I think the people that really like Amy's style will listen to me in a way, and, and I think they kind of give themselves permission. Okay, let me listen to what the Greek word, Greek root for Krypton is and see if I can learn that because, you know, next week Amy's going to come and she's going to, you know, tell me a story and I'm going to like that. And so I, I think that for both of our listeners, if we can call them that, our listeners, it has given them permission to listen and to be stretched in a way that they would not if only one of us was preaching. So I think I have just come to appreciate the difference. And um, I think if I were not able to acknowledge the strength of Amy's preaching and the fact that people really dig Amy's preaching, I mean, they really, they really respond to that. Um, I think if I were not, uh, you know, big enough to be able to admit that, that could be a problem. Um, the, the way we have gone about this over the years um, I think has allowed both of us to, to aim into our strengths um, and to realize, okay, so I don't speak to everybody today. You know, maybe Amy will speak to them next week, you know. No, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you, you just cover a wider array of um, listeners or, or um, members in the church who can relate to your sermons in different ways. And I think that combination is, is pretty powerful. I so Amy, when say- Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say when you're when you're talking about Waffle House and scattered, smothered, and covered, do you ever feel like I should be uh, more historical or or, or, or more intellectual? Waffle, quick, for hash browns. No, I I think I don't ever feel that within my own self. I mean, I have. Everybody has their places where they're they have low self-esteem or self-doubt or, you know, don't feel great about themselves. We all have that. This is just not one of my places that I have that. I, I think I find myself, sometimes I feel like other people can interpret it as, well, Russ, people will often say Amy's more heart, Russ is more head. And I, I think there's some people that get a little bit defensive for me. I don't feel it myself, but almost like, well, Russ is the smarter one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Russ is doing the the intellectual approach. Well, I, I like to think that I have plenty enough intellect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just not my style to go about it that way. Um, you know, I, we went to all the same classes. We had basically all the same grades. We, it, 
it's not, but I think sometimes people worry about that, like on my behalf, and I want to release them from that burden because I don't feel that. It's not a competition between us. Right. I think if if it felt like a competition between us, it would be a problem. Um, but I'm happy to defer to, hey, he loves that kind of stuff. I can, I can look all that up and I can study it and I could even retain it if I wanted to. It's just not as interesting to me. And so I don't think it makes me lazy to say, you know, Russ has this kind of stuff in his back pocket. Let's turn to him. And, you know, things that I would have to work to study for to just because that kind of thing just doesn't kind of get my juices flowing. Um, I'm always looking for, I mean, I picked up that sermon title, Scattered, Smothered, and Covered, from two words in the text from Ezekiel. And it just got me thinking about the Waffle House and the hash browns that our son <laughs> loved. And so I go on the the website and I just start picturing what a Waffle House is like. And it's such this community where everybody, can, and then I remembered my sister-in-law had worked there. And so I got her to tell me some stories about that. And it ended up really connecting to the text and you know, the truth is people probably remember Russ did something weird with Superman and the Greek word, and I have no idea what it was. <laughs> well, the truth is people say there was this, I remember that sermon about hash browns, but they don't remember what the point was of either of our sermons. <laughs> I, the best, uh, I got a text back about that sermon um, from when I preached it three or four years ago. So this grandmother writes me Sunday a week ago. I remember the girls were with us on the Sunday you preached three years ago. On the way home, I asked, what did you learn at church today? And one of the twins said, I didn't know Amy knew so much about hash browns. And I certainly didn't know that Jesus ate at the Waffle House. (laughs) And she said, I hope that they were listening today that maybe they heard it with a little more clarity. The truth is, Anybody that remembered that sermon only remembered the hash browns part. Mm. So this is a good time to put in a plug for the um, sermons and podcast tab on our website, parkroadbaptist.org. You can go back and listen anytime. So if you're if you've forgotten what it was about waffles that, that uh, was relevant to church, then you can you can find out. And or don't feel guilty because I remember preaching this sermon about waffles and I couldn't remember the point either until I went back and read it so but I mean you know generally the point is the same God is love the way of Jesus is this we're called to live that way I mean you're just trying your best in crafting sermons to find some new and different and creative ways to say the same thing the message is not that extensive or difficult so Russ takes one path, I take another path to try to basically say the same thing. Right. This this is a really interesting topic. And with these two sermons, Bruce, my my last sermon was called The Power of a Little Kryptonite. Um, And it came from uh, the year that Amy and I preached through the gospel of Mark. And um, uh, to end that almost year-long preaching, um, we did an epilogue, sort of a summary of what we had learned from Mark. And the third of five of those five sermons was, this is hard stuff. And it's kind of a mantra of mine. Um, I was raised in the church and um, 
was was sort of taught all this is easy. All you got to do is just, you know, just read the Bible and it's just black and white and it's right there. And the truth is right there. And, you know, God was kind of easy. I just kind of had all the answers for, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I could have, I had all the answers and college and then seminary and my friends and professors and experiences opened my mind to a whole new world. Um, And I don't think it's easy. And I don't think faith is easy, and I don't think it should be easy. And so I really grapple with this issue because I want people to understand. I want people to engage in the way like I have engaged for my lifetime. This is a lifelong pursuit, and it's passionate for me. Um, But I don't think the Bible is easy to read anymore. And actually, I think when you read it and make it easy, you almost always miss the point. Um, and so I have jokingly said I entitled a sermon, and I think a lot of people understand that I do a lot of this a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I have been uh, accused and kind of badgered a little bit and joked with about using big words and all that stuff, and so I've kind of played that up, and a sermon title a few years ago was Issue Obfuscation, um, which means avoid making things difficult to understand little irony there. Well, somebody showed up the next week with a bumper sticker that says SU obfuscation. And I've had it on my truck for years. And it's sort of my theme for preaching. Um, We really do need to avoid making things hard to understand. I really believe that as a communicator, I want people to understand. And yet, on the other hand, if we simplify the truths of scripture and the truths of of the spiritual life, to put on a bumper sticker, almost inevitably you miss what they mean. And so Mm -hmm. I'm stuck in this between the hard and the easy. Yes, as a communicator, that's such an important part of my job as as a minister. I want to be able to communicate. And yet I don't want to give people trite platitudes that then fail in life's difficult moments. Um, and so I, I'm really, I'm really stuck there. And uh, this sermon uh, a, a, about a, a little kryptonite, um, there is a hidden message in the scripture. And I think it, unless you work at it, unless you give yourself to really dig into it, you will, you will only get a surface level platitude depth understanding. And there's so much more there that we need to, that we need to get to. So I, I guess this is a bad time to ask for four simple rules to be a good Christian. Is, is that right? <laughs> yeah, this would be a bad time. That's great. <laughs> a lot of us were raised on those kinds of things, Bruce. You know, the sport, right. four spiritual laws or the Roman road to salvation or, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it, it I just feel like it, it so simplified the message of Jesus as to almost completely obfuscate what it's all about, to to almost completely miss the message of what it's all about. Um, And so I'm determined to make our people work a little bit. And I know that I opened myself up to some critique there about that because people go, what's he talking about again? And this is hard. And I don't want to have to, somebody said one time years ago, you know, I just don't want to have to work that hard when I go to church. Well, Okay, then you're just not going to get very much out of it. I mean, you know, the measure you give, part of the text from this past Sunday, the measure you give is the measure you get. And um, but I but I do feel that tension and I feel it sometimes 
not in jealousy with Amy, but Amy is able to communicate in a way um, that that I really, really appreciate. And yet I'm stuck between, well, let me make it easy for people and let me really dig in to, 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 to get the real depth of meaning of this. So you've been doing, I hate to bring this up, Amy, but you've been doing this for 20 plus years now at, at Park Road. Um, yeah. Did you, when you started out, uh, did you alternate sermons from the, from the jump or, or has that evolved over no, time? No, when we started, he really preached three weeks to my one week. Um, mm-hmm. And our idea was that I had been an educator, elementary education major and taught school and that I had even considered not getting a Master of Divinity, but instead getting a Master of Christian Education and, and decided against that. I'm really, really, really glad I did now and went with the, the MDiv, which is what the same degree Russ has. And um, I, so we, but we kind of saw ourselves as me of more the teacher, the educator, and Russ was more the preacher. And I just had not, I remember my very first preaching class, I couldn't wait to take homiletics because I was just I need I didn't know how to preach and I remember Russ saying homiletics means preaching yeah (laughs) in case anybody out there doesn't know that big word that Amy just used I used a big word yeah Um, what's the what's the Greek root for that um but Russell google it while I talk um uh I remember just so excited about going to to that class and Russ said, they can't teach you how to preach. And I was like, well, they better because I don't know how. And and my professor, I believe, really did teach us how to preach. He happened to be in the middle of writing a, a preaching uh, textbook for seminaries and was trying out his model of how to put together a sermon. And we basically spent the whole semester writing one sermon. And um, But anyway, I... I feel like I learned how to preach in a classroom and I feel like Russ kind of always saw himself as a preacher and preaching the homiletics class was helpful in what he already knew how to do. And so I think we came into this thinking, well, Russ would preach more and I would teach more. I truly do not really enjoy teaching in a church setting. I just, I don't enjoy, I'm, Sorry to say it. I just don't enjoy leading a Bible study. I don't enjoy um, the, leading book discussion groups. I like, I love groups. I love small groups. I love leading small groups, but they're more the the spiritual, the discipleship. I'm not, I just don't enjoy that. And we pretty soon realized that people liked my preaching style. And, and I think 20 years ago, Bruce, the church we inherited um, a larger percentage of that church was interested in my style. I think that has changed a good bit over the years. Um, there was a very strong element of that of the of the church we inherited 20 years ago. That you know they were used to Wednesday night uh, studies where you did a book study, and for for 18 years. I taught a book of some kind on Wednesday nights, and we did all sorts of hard theological things. And, you know, we would dig in, and Amy didn't enjoy that, and I really did. And so as we learned that I, I was interested in teaching and that and that people were really responding to her preaching, both of those things shifted. So the ratio of teaching 
shifted away from Amy toward me and the ratio of preaching shifted away from me and toward Amy. And so um, we, we now we now just alternate Sunday by Sunday. Um, and there have been about three, three different series that we've done. And we actually have another one lined up for this fall. About three times we have both uh, preached every Sunday. And we've done that in a way that I was offering one angle and Amy was offering another. I might ask the question and Amy would offer the answer. I would share an experience and Amy would preach a sermon. Um, and so to give people two different voices, and we have that lined up again for this fall. I can't remember exactly what the the series is, but I think I'm going to offer something from the Old Testament and Amy's going to count, uh, counter or offer a word uh, kind of a response from Jesus from the New Testament. So I think people have really enjoyed that, getting to hear both voices on a Sunday. In fact, I think some of the best preaching we've done in the last three or four years have been those series when people have heard both of our voices on on every Sunday. Definitely. It feels like a two-for-one for the church, which is yeah. a, it's a huge plus. Uh, I, I just don't see any downside to this all. Uh, one last question. I'm just curious about the process of writing your sermon. So when do you write your sermons and do you pull your partner into the process? Is it a collaborative or do you pretty much fly solo and, and uh, just go your own way when you're putting these together? Um, well, the process, I mean, it begins on Monday is our day off. And I mean, we know what our preaching schedule is months in advance. And so you know what you're preaching so you can be paying attention along the way. But I don't start in earnest until Tuesday. Monday's our day off. And Tuesday, I will start with the text and I'll start reading articles and journals and commentaries. And I'll try to have read something, a little something every day, Monday, I mean, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. By the time you get to Friday, the bulletin's got to be done in a normal world. And everything in the bulletin is related to the text and the theme for the day. So not only do you need a title to print and the you've got the text, but every hymn is chosen based on that. It may just be the third stanza of verse four, but there's a connection. I recognize most people don't pay that close attention, but the litany, the confession, all the prayers, all the, the anthem, you know, the, the musician has our stuff too. So by the time you get to Friday, everything is together except the sermon. <laughs> and but by then, you know, I already know a story I'm going to tell or an illustration I'm going to use or a, and then it, I usually sit down on Saturday evening and start, just open the computer and start typing. And all along the week, I have collected articles. So I've already got a document started, but it's just, I've copied and pasted uh, a quote here or a reference there. And then I start typing and put it together and Sunday morning I, I finish it. And mine is very similar. I, I think our worship service is so important to us that putting that bulletin and the whole order of service together, it's really important. And by the time we have read the text and studied and reflected on that and put together at the order of service, we, we always put a couple quotations in the bulletin that help guide people's thoughts and 
you know, write or find, yeah, something for the cover. And sometimes that's artistic and sometimes it's another quotation or a poem. And, you know, once we've put all of that together and chosen the hymns and read the words to the hymns and all that, you you know, I I, I pretty well know where I'm going with the sermon. I mean, that that all comes together. Um, I like to have my introduction written on Friday before I leave the office. Um, But for almost 20 years, I have written, I've written almost every sermon I have ever preached on Sunday morning. Uh, I like to have the introduction written on Friday, and then I get up, um, and I used to get up at four o'clock on Sunday morning and go to the office. Uh, I've gotten a little faster. I don't have to get up quite that early, but I go go and uh, put it all together on Sunday morning, and then it's fresh for me. Um, and so Amy and I have a, a similar style. She's a Saturday night sermon writer, and I'm a Sunday morning sermon writer, but it, uh, it all kind of comes together for us in the same way. And I will say, when we first started, we did preach our sermons to each other on Saturday night. So we were writing them earlier and preaching them to each other or going into the office and preaching them Sunday morning. But that only lasted really a few months. I mean, really, who, who wants to listen to that more than once? <laughs> I think I mean. some of that was just the anxiety of this being new and listen to We'd this. We never and, preached you know, every week. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now it's a very rare, rare occasion that I would know what he's going to say and he would know what I was going to say, unless it's something that I have some fear of being, fear's not the right word, some, I don't know, some fear of, is this going to ruffle feathers? You know, am I have saying I said this, this too hard? Is or this, can I, should I back off of this? Did I say enough here? Right. Should I, do you think I can say this? And people will understand what I'm saying. That's usually over something that I anticipate will be perhaps controversial. So what's the last last question? The last last question <laughs> is <laughs> what's what's been the biggest change in terms of your preaching style from the beginning to now? What I'm sure things have evolved considerably. What what has changed the most for you over the course of the years? They are so pre- much shorter. I mean, the the amount of words on the page, I think they last about as long, but we preach slower than we did. And I'll tell you the thing that's changed the most for me, and and, uh, my professors wouldn't want to hear me say this, but I study less, and I've actually done that intentionally. Um, The more I study, the deeper my sermons get. And the more I want to quote somebody here and quote somebody here and do this. And, and I think the way that I think about things, I don't need to be thinking deeper about them. I need to be thinking more about how to communicate them. And so I, I used to spend a, a good many more hours reading commentaries, um, finding articles and, and all that. And I wanted to have, you know, three or four or five good quotations in a sermon. Um, and I, I don't think that has I don't think that is as as helpful as I once thought it was. And so for me, the more I study, the deeper and more involved and um, mm, they, more obfuscated my my sermons get. And so if I'm trying to issue obfuscation, um, I of hope course my I still... preaching professor is not listening for us because <laughs> we had different preaching professors and my preaching professor and this has been a this has been hard for me because Russ is kind of in charge of worship and he sets the worship schedule. And we talk about it, but this is kind of his responsibility. If if I were in charge of that, I would think I would do less series. 
I think the series, so much of the depth and goodness of a series sermon series gets lost because very few people are there every week for all of them. And right. so you get the most out of that when you can hear them all. So I would probably preach less series and I would do much more. Here's the text. What does the text have to say? As opposed to here's the idea and the text is shifting into this theme. Now I've got to craft the text to conform to the series or the theme we've come up with when the truth is, if I just studied the text, that might not be what I would hear. Um, So we've had several very good conversations about. (laughs) And here's how it always happens, Bruce. And you will say, um, this is not Not what this this text text says to me. I I don't know where you're going with this. And, you know, here's kind of the theme that you've given. And here, I can't preach this. And I always say, shut up and preach. (laughs) Um, and, And invariably, when she comes to me complaining that she can't understand this, everybody loves the sermon. And so I just say, shut up and preach and it'll be great. And uh, trust me. And so um, you'll figure out a way to work hash browns at Waffle House into this this series. (laughs) Exactly. Well, on, uh, you know, on behalf of everyone at Park Road, uh, I I think we are blessed to have both of you, to have your disparate styles and personalities it just uh, adds such an incredible depth and richness to the experience. So, um, well, at least for me, you thank you very much. We, yeah. we, we enjoy doing it um, together. So it's been, been a great 20-year run so It far. is an interesting process in a day when the spoken word and people's attention spans just do not conform to the way that we still do worship in so many ways. And Bruce, we know we, the three of us have had that conversation a lot and so it makes it interesting. I do think that may be why uh, both of us preaching on a given Sunday two shorter stints has been a better, uh, maybe better received because people's attention spans, but it's still an interesting process. It is indeed. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Russ. Uh, I always enjoy these conversations and appreciate you taking the time out to, to give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain and yeah, how this thank, all happens. Thank you. Very enjoyable. And of course, thank you to our listeners. We invite you to share this podcast with your friends and your family. They can always find it on the Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, or you can listen and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Thank you again for listening. Grace and peace 